Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. If you didn't know the author of this beloved hymn that is loved and cherished all around the world is John Newton. Now, John Newton lived a very, very wild life as a sailor, and he was a slave trader. But one day, God's light of the gospel opened up his eyes, and he repented of the life of greed and of hatred towards his fellow man. He turned his life around, and he began to walk the surprising road of restoration in his relationship with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word restoration means that the lives of the redeemed are restored to the good purpose on earth. God's restored people are able to bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. I don't know about you, but if God can meet John Newton right where he was at in his life, God can meet me right where I'm at in my life. God can meet you right where you're at in your life. See, here's the thing. God's love gave him the power to accept the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy that was extended to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Can you just imagine what that must have been like for him to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing what he had done thus far in his life, and yet Jesus met him on that road and said, it doesn't matter what you have done in your past. All that matters is that you meet me on this road of restoration right now. God is able to do only what God is able to do. And here's the thing. Did you all know that John Newton then was called to preach the gospel? Come on now. Here he was a slave trader. Here he was willing that when the slaves on the ship died because they didn't make it, they would roll them off, throw them off of the ship. A slave trader. Someone who did not value the love that God had placed in his brothers and sisters. And yet God met him on the road and restored him and called him to preach the gospel. And then he went on to love and to serve those that God had called him to. The hand of hope and the reconciliation, he was able to extend it to others. Where would we be if God did not choose us? The word of God says God did not, uh, we did not choose God, but God chooses us. If he did not choose us, we would leave, be left powerless 
to the sin and to the mistakes and to the failures of our lives. But can I tell you this? God is greater than our sin. God is greater than our past mistakes. God is greater than anything that we have ever done or will do. He can turn our lives around. He tells us this, that what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it around and use it for good. Has anybody ever witnessed that? That God has taken something evil and he will turn it around for something good. One of my favorite quotes from John Newton is this. Although my memory is fading, I can remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great Savior. Amen? Amen. You know, the road of restoration is being restored to good purpose, amen, to bear fruit in every good work. Because here's the thing, when we are not walking the road that we should be walking, we are not necessarily living a good purpose. We are not necessarily bearing the fruit that God has predestined us to bear right from the beginning. The Bible says that he predestined us before we were ever born to bear good works. And here's the thing, our lives are a journey. And on this journey, there are many roads that we will travel. One road may lead to success. Amen? One road may lead to adventure. One road may lead to challenges. You will be on a road and you will come across a rock and trip over the rock and fall. You may come to a divot and you may fall into the divot. And here's the thing. There's another road, unfortunately, that we will all travel many, many times in our lives. And the destination that we will ride to is called failure. Anybody ever traveled the road called failure? Why don't we want to travel this road called failure? Well, there are many reasons. First of all, failure doesn't feel good. <laughs> Amen? It hurts. It's messy because there are consequences to decisions that we make, especially when the decisions that we make are not in alignment with the Word of God. We understand and know that when we make these mistakes and these failures, that there are people connected to us, family, friends, community. And when we fail, we fail them too. Amen? Failure is not fun. It does not feel good because we have to own up to our weaknesses. Is there anybody in the house today that has a problem with owning up to your weakness? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have to own up to our limitations. Failure puts us a serious smackdown on our pride. A serious smackdown on our ego. Many, many, many times, can I tell you in my life, sis, I have said, ooh, ouch, <laughs> that hurts. And if it isn't enough, we have to deal with the feelings of disappointing God. Anybody ever felt like you've disappointed God? I can definitely tell you that I've been there. And in addition to that, we have to think about how we have failed the people in our lives that we tell them, I love you. But yet when we fail, we know that we are not at a place where they look upon us with approval. Anybody ever had somebody looking upon you and instead of approval, you see disapproval and hurt and the disappointment in their eyes? 
I have made many, many mistakes, and I will not go into the details, but one in particular, when I was about 30 years old, I, I really made a big mistake. And I really hurt my family. And I will never, ever forget what that felt like. It is hard to deal with knowing that people uh, are not happy with you, that you have said and done things that, that hurt them. And here's the thing, that is exactly what Paul did in, his, in our text. Paul's failure on the night of Jesus was so awful, so terrible, because in the hour of the Lord's greatest anguish, when Jesus needed him the most, Peter denied even knowing him. This sin that Peter thought he was incapable of committing literally rocked him to his core, so much so that he turned away from his discipleship of Christ and said, I'm going back fishing. Anybody here ever felt like you've made a mistake, a, a decision, a, a failure, where you have felt like, why even bother I'm just going to turn back to what I used to do. I'm going to turn back to what I used to be. Why even bother? But here's the thing. Jesus told him that he would do it. <laughs> In the upper room over the Passover meal with his fellow disciples around him, when Jesus told him Peter did not believe it, I think somebody was in denial. <laughs> Come on now. You've got Jesus. You've got Jesus telling you what you're getting ready to do. And Peter said, uh-uh, uh-uh, no. Not me, Lord. I would never do that. Can anyone identify with Peter at this moment? I can tell you right now that I have told myself that I would never do that. Only to find myself doing the very thing that I said I would not do. Can we identify with Peter? I think we can if we were to be honest. Anyone ever said that you've made a mistake and you said, oh man, Dara says, I would never make that mistake again, only to make that mistake over and over and over again. Oh, that is so tough, isn't it? Because we have to look at ourselves and realize that we are not what we think we are. That is hard to reconcile when we see ourselves a certain way and yet the word of God tells us, you know what, bruh? You know what, sis? You're not all that and a bag of chips. If you were a bag of chips, if you were a bag of chips, sis, what would you be? <laughs> Empty. Do you know why I appreciate that? Because I love chips. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> I love it. You see, Peter imagined himself boldly standing for the Sanhedrin side by side with Jesus, come what may. But that night, when Jesus was warming his hands around the charcoal fire, Peter couldn't even stand up against a little servant girl. Hey, 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 wait a minute. Aren't you, aren't you a follower of Jesus Christ? And what did Peter do? Peter caved. He said, 
girl, you tripping. You better back up off me. I am not who you say I am. Back up. I can only imagine that his words kept Peter up all night. Playing again over and over and over in his head. Can you hear himself tearing himself apart? What did I do? He told me that I'm a rock. I told Jesus that I loved him, that I would even die for him. And Peter had the difficult task to face the truth that, again, he was not who he thought he was, and he lost his confidence. That has been me. Has it been you? <laughs> Here's the good news, though. Are you all ready? In this story, we have an awesome opportunity to witness Jesus' willingness to completely forgive and restore the one who disappointed him. Oh, I've disappointed him. To completely restore the one who's abandoned him. Have y'all ever turned around back to the life and abandoned Jesus Christ? I've abandoned him. Have you ever come to a place where you realize that you are denying the truth of the word of God and walking in rebellion? Yes, God, I love you. But yet we sin against him. Over and over and over again. So today, right now, what God wants me to do is to speak into you and breathe over you a hope for a new start. Hope for complete forgiveness and hope in the God of second chances. Amen? I don't know about you, but I've gone to God for a second chance, third chance. Oh, come on, come on, people. Come on, fam. Walk with me, please. <laughs> Fourth chances, fifth chances, sixth chances. Amen, says She's like, yeah, I got you. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And don't we all need hope? Hope is the belief that circumstances will get better. It's not a wish for things to get better. It's the actual belief, the knowledge that you hold on to that God says, hang on. Don't quit. I promise you that if you hold on to hope, things will get better. Hope is the yes. Hope is the belief that whatever God is allowing you to go through, he will empower you to face the toughest of times because you are more than a victim to your circumstances. God has called us to a place of victory, Shanice. And in order to be able to know that you can come from a place where you have been down, that God wants to raise you up, you have to know that no matter what the enemy brings your way, I don't care how far down you've gone, God has the power to be able to rescue you and to bring you back to a place of victory. Peter was with Jesus for three years, personal one-on-one -on -one training in Christ's presence, witnessing firsthand people who were blind receiving their sight, withered hands made whole, diseases washed away with the words of his healing, dead people, now come on people, hear me, dead people <laughs> brought back to life. Peter, the leader of the 12 disciples, denies that he ever knew him. Can you imagine how much of a failure that must have made him feel? 
This was Peter's darkest hour. And even though he turned his back on Christ, Christ did not turn his back on Peter. Amen? Mm. Here's what I want to show you today. Because of Jesus, we have a hope for a fresh start, hope for complete forgiveness and second chances. Look at what God is saying to us. We should be at God's love. Slide three. <laughs> God's love is poured out. Nope, it should be God's love for us isn't just one day's journey. <laughs> All right. So God's love isn't for us for just one day's journey. On this road called life we are traveling on, we need him to forgive us, amen, to restore us and to uh, heal us over and over and over again. And so here is the lessons of hope that we have for today. This should be the slide you were at. Four lessons of hope. Jesus knows what is going to happen every day of my life. Woo! Can we just sit in that for a moment? He knows what's going to happen every day of your life. Jesus is in control of all the events surrounding your life. Jesus wants you to know, me to know, that he's watching in my darkest hour. And Jesus promises us a life of new beginning by offering forgiveness and restoration. Amen? We're going to get to our text in a moment, but first let's go to Luke, because what I want to do is to walk you through what happened in Peter's denial so that we can better understand these lessons of hope. First place we're going to go. Next slide, please. <laughs> Amen. So we're in Luke 22, 31 through 34. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. <laughs> this is Jesus. Let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. In verse 34, what Jesus is teaching us is that he is omniscient. And what that means is that he has perfect knowledge of all things. Jesus foreknew that Satan was going to sift him like wheat. Jesus was even able to tell him that not only was he able to or was he going to go through the test, but that he also was going to fail him. And here's what he wants you to know. Take heart today because everything about you, all that has happened is under the fearful watch of your Lord and Savior. Psalm 139 says this, you know God when I sit down and when I rise up. You search out my path and my lying down. So every time you sit down, God sees you. Every time you rise up, God sees you. When you lay your head down on the pillow, God sees you. Have you ever been in a place where you feel like God does not see you? And God wants you to know today that no matter what you are going through, God is always able to see where you are. He knows all about you. Amen? Amen? The second lesson of hope is this. Next slide. 
Jesus is in control of all the events surrounding my life. In Luke twenty-two sixty, Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned around and he looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed before Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. There is not any situation or circumstance that is happening in your life that God is not already aware of. Amen? So there's nothing that we do that God does not already know about. He knows what we're going to do today, tomorrow, and the next day. Even in our failures, even in the tests that we go through, God already knows. Be encouraged to know that he's telling you that the truth is, is that even in the failure, there's already victory. Did you see that Jesus Christ prophesied not only him failing, but he also prophesied his victory. He said, but when you repent... And when you turn, he said, you will overcome the enemy and you will come and follow me. You will serve your brother. You guys know that the word of God tells us that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking whom he may devour. But Jesus Christ is telling us it doesn't matter because what you need to know is, did you know Satan has to ask permission if you belong to God, Satan has to ask permission. I think that that tells us who's in control. I don't believe that our enemy is in control if he has to go to Almighty God and ask to test you. So even in that, knowing that he has to ask permission, can you imagine how sheepish he must look like when he comes into the presence of God? Uh, 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 Heavenly Father, uh. And what God tells us in stories over and over and over in the word of God is that he says, listen, you can test my brother and you can test my daughter or my son, but you can only do what I tell you that you are able to do. Does that give anybody any hope knowing that no matter what you go through, that God has to give permission because he knows that whatever it is you're going through, he is going to bring you out on the other side. Mm, God is so good. There's a part in the scripture that says this. It says, you hem me in, in and before that you lay your hand upon me. What does it mean to be hemmed in? Pastor Brown has talked about it. It means that he surrounds us. It means that no matter where we go, God is always going to be in front of us and behind us. So I don't know about you, brother. God is always in front. The Bible says that he is in front of us. He is surrounding us. If you would walk with me. So no matter where I go, no matter where I go, no matter what course I travel, God is in front of me. Amen? Come on, somebody. Somebody ought to be thanking God right now. And no matter what road we travel, no matter what road we travel, do you see it? You are not alone. God has got you hemmed in. So I don't care what lie the enemy is telling you. When you walk somebody, you better walk with some confidence. You better be able to tell God, thank you. Thank you, sir. You better be able to tell God, listen, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what mistakes I've made. The Bible says that God has got me hemmed in. Amen? Amen. That he is in front of me. He is beside me. He is behind me. 
so that no matter where I go, no matter what road I may travel, I don't care what it looks like, God is always with me. Tell your neighbor, amen. Tell your neighbor, Jesus knows. Oh, come on, y'all. We can do better than that. Jesus knows. Jesus, knows. Jesus is in control. Jesus is in control. Mm. I got to take a moment and just say this. You all know that in my messages, I love to mess with my husband. <laughs> you know, like when I talked about how he took my candy bar when I was at home and I was all hungry for it and went to the refrigerator and there was no candy bar. And, and I'm like, you know, bro, where's my candy bar? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but the wrapper was sticking out of his pocket. Yeah. I'm not gonna do that today. I wanna say quickly, we celebrated our five-year wedding anniversary this weekend. <laughs> And seriously, I want to say thank you to God for giving me a man that puts up with me. Hey! I didn't ask you all to co-sign. Why was there all that laughing, sis? Do you got my back? Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, I think you need to replace the candy bar. Yeah. We've got another lesson in hope, amen? The next slide tells us this, Jesus wants you to know that he is watching you in your darkest hours. The scripture says at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed before Peter's mind. That the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me. Here's what I want you to know. Here's what God wants you to know. Even in the midst of your failure, Jesus has never taken his eyes off of you. He's never taken his eyes. Jesus knew when Peter was in the courtyard. Jesus knew when Peter was prepared to deny him. Jesus heard every single denial. Not once, not twice, but three times. Jesus felt Peter's fear all the while. And here's what amazes me about our Lord and Savior. All the while, Jesus is interceding for us over and over and over again when we make those mistakes and we will fail. Jesus Christ is saying, I see you. I see you in the darkest time that you have and I will never, ever take my loving eye off of you. Because here's the thing, you know how we've been talking about in the last couple of sermon series that Satan tells us a false narrative? And let me tell you something, he is going to be talking to you the entire time that you are in that process of failure. And he is going to tell you, you might as well give up. You failed too much. What you did, it isn't something that God would be willing to forgive. Who do you think you are? I know this word is for somebody today, amen? You know, just so that you know that God already knows where you are both physically and spiritually. Amen? It isn't just where we're at. You can be physically in this seat, but spiritually not here. 
And what I mean by that is your mind can be somewhere else than where your body is. You can have your mindset in a place that isn't where your body is. Has anybody ever been there? <laughs> Come on now. We can be at a place and we've got a smile on our face and we're talking to folks, but we're really not there. We're trying to survive. We're trying to get over what's happened in our life. We're struggling. Maybe there's somebody on the inside that's saying, do you see me? Do you have any idea how much I'm hurting right now? Jesus. I love one of the stories in the Word of God. It says that one day when Jesus was miles away on a mountaintop, he was watching the disciples, and they were sinking in a boat in a terrible storm. He came to them at the exact moment that they needed him. And I'm here to tell you right now, if you feel like you are sinking, that you feel like you are at a place where you are crying out like the disciples did, I'm telling you right now, Jesus has got his eye on you. And he is going to come. And we've got a saying that says this, he may not come when you want him to, but he will always arrive on time. Anybody ever had a testimony where you have cried out to God? And you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And then all of a sudden, Jesus arrives on the scene. Know that he is praying for you, interceding for you. And I love this scripture. Let's take a look at what he tells us. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So then, since we have a great high priest, remember, it says that Jesus said, I am interceding for you, Peter. You remember that? We have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. Do you remember what Jesus told Peter? He says, I've prayed for you so that your what will not fail. Oh, come on, church, come on. Walk with me. He said, I am praying and interceding for you so that your what? Faith will not fail. Look at what that's saying. It's saying so that we can hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He's faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. We will receive his mercy and we will find grace when we need it the most. When do we need it the most? In our place of failure. We need to come to God in humility. We need to get in front of his throne and say, listen, you already know what I've done. You see me, right? And Father God, I know that you will not allow my faith to fail because the high priest, Jesus Christ, is interceding for me. Amen? Tell your neighbor, Jesus knows. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is in control. Tell your neighbor, he sees you. He sees me. And now we've arrived at our text. <laughs> Let's take a look. The next lesson of hope comes from our text. Jesus promises us a life of new beginnings. He offers us complete forgiveness and restoration. Why do I use the word complete forgiveness? Because of this. I'll get to this in a moment. Have you guys ever gone to God and asked for forgiveness, but yet you walk away from his presence and still walk in a place of guilt and condemnation? Amen? Amen. 
Because what God wants you to know, think about Peter, think about what he had gone through. He needed to know that when Jesus Christ was with him and he went through this conversation, Jesus needed him to know in order for Peter to get up, to do what he needed to do, he needed to know that his forgiveness was not just partial. It wasn't 30%, 60%, 90%, 95%. No, it was complete and total forgiveness. Amen? There's a scripture that says that when we pray and ask for forgiveness, that he takes the sin of what we've done and he literally throws it off the ends of the earth, never to remember no more. I don't know about you, but I certainly do not want my sin to be remembered. I want it to be cast off and thrown off. Amen? Amen. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him, repeatedly asked the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. You know, here's the thing. When Jesus questioned Peter's love for the third time, Peter grieved that he might have lost his Savior's trust. He had failed, but here's the thing. Peter did love him. I want to say this to you, that in our failure, that does not say that we do not love our Lord. Amen? The enemy is going to tell you, gosh, how in the world could you have possibly done that? Don't tell God that you love him. Shame, guilt, condemnation. But we're looking at Peter, you all. Peter loved Jesus, but he made a mistake. Amen? He made a mistake. He failed. Have any of you ever failed, but yet you still love God? This is why we cannot allow guilt, condemnation, or shame over any past failures or sin to stop receiving what Jesus Christ is offering us today, a new beginning, a fresh start, and a hope in God. So when Jesus chose you as his disciples, any disciples in the house today? Yeah. Oh, I like it. Did you hear that? Yeah. Let's do that again. I like it. Any disciples in the house today? Yeah. <laughs> He foresaw your future failures, just as he had saw in Peter's. He sees the mistakes and the failures and the mess-ups and the trips that we are going to make. When we fail, we've got to remember this. Jesus Christ said it to Peter, and he's saying it to each one of you. I am praying for you that your faith fail not. Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and he is interceding for you that while you are going through, that you would trust God. Because here's the thing. If we hold on to anything uh, that weighs us down, you're going to become stuck. I don't have what I want to have up here, but just imagine this. <laughs> imagine that this is my failures. Imagine that this is my mistakes. Imagine that this is all the things that are weighing me down. And here I am, and I'm telling God that I want forgiveness. God, please forgive me. God, I love you. God, I want to move forward, but I refuse to let go. 
how are you going to move forward with where God wants to take you? You can't because I'm stuck. No matter what direction, no matter how much I try, I cannot move forward. You are stuck. It's like a weight holding you down. But here's what Jesus Christ said to Peter, and here's what God is saying to you. Let go. Trust me. Know that I love you. Know that there's absolutely nothing that you have ever done or could ever do that I would ever stop loving you. Let go. Because when you let go, you can be like Peter. Peter got up. Can you imagine what that must have felt like on that day on the beach when Jesus' gaze met Peter's gaze and he said, I completely forgive you, Peter. I love you. Allow me to restore you to what the enemy has stolen from you. Amen? Hmm. Here's something that's interesting. Do you know that when Jesus approached Peter and he said, do you love me the first two times, he used the Greek word agape. Do you agape me, Peter? Do you know what agape means in Greek? It means self-sacrificial love. And when Peter responded, Lord, you know that I love you. Can I tell you that it was a different Greek word that he responded to Jesus? Because when he first responded to Jesus, oh, Jesus, I'll die for you. I'll go to prison for you. He was talking out of the agape love. But see, he didn't realize that he wasn't who he thought he was at that time. He didn't realize that he needed to operate out of his weakness. He needed to depend on and look to only Christ. So, two times he responded to Jesus, I phileo you, Jesus. That means I love you with a brotherly affection. Can you imagine how much that must have hurt for Peter to humble himself to realize? But here's the thing. In order for God to turn our lives around, to be able to help us to let go of whatever it is that the enemy wants us to hold on to, you've got to humble yourself. You've got to be like Peter and you've got to be honest. What God is looking for in all of us is humility. Because humility says, don't look at me, look at Christ. So the third time, here's, here it is, it's beautiful. When Jesus responded to Peter the third time, Jesus came down to his level. Isn't that beautiful? And when Jesus Christ said to Peter, do you love me? This time he said, do you phileo me? Because Jesus wanted him to understand, I'm going to meet you right where you're at. I understand that now with humility, now God was able to restore him. Now God was able to use him for the glory that had already been set before him. This is the same Peter that preached the gospel and over 3,000 people came to Jesus Christ. Amen? So here is what God is saying to you. Let him turn it around. Let him Take what has happened and do not hold on to it. Let it go. If Peter were standing here today, what Peter would say to you is this. The enemy is telling you that it's too late. 
I'm here to tell you that it's never too late. Amen? Amen. I can only imagine for a moment if Peter were to be standing there looking at the eyes of Jesus Christ. Maybe Psalm 51 came to his heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. God's love for us isn't just for one day's journey, amen? On this road called life, we need him to forgive us and to restore us over and over and over again. And I am here to tell you, all you've got to do is call on the name that means everything. Jesus can turn it around. Amen? Amen. As we stand up for worship, whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, be humble. Meet him because he's here to meet you. God does not send forth the word for it not to come back void. God sends forth the word because he's got work to do. Amen? And he loves each and every one of you like he loves Peter. And he says, listen, he said, if you will admit, repent, I will raise you back up. And he said at the end, come and follow me. It's never too late. He can turn it around. Amen? Let's stand. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.